0: Need a long intro? I don't know all the letters behind his name anyway. Would you please make a round of applause for Pastor Scott Stewart? Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. My family is very excited for me to be here. Well, God bless you all. You have a good afternoon. How many of you went home and laid before the Lord? Anybody lay before the Lord? Yeah. Lay before the Lord. I, I, I sat before the Lord. I, I didn't get to lay before the Lord uh, today. But it was a, it's been a great time to be uh, with you this morning. It's a wonderful time to be with you tonight. Uh, I, 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 just as we talked about this morning, tonight begins this wonderful time where we begin to celebrate the presence of God for an entire week. Although we should do this all the time tonight, really kind of officially begins the whole thing. So how many are glad for the presence of God in your life? Amen? And so, you know, when God invades and God is in your midst, you really don't have any problems, do you? Because He takes care of everything. And that's what we celebrate now from this time and for the next uh, seven days straight. Kind of that divine reset in our brain and in our heart and in our bodies. Uh, so as we kind of think along those lines, tonight is obviously healing school. So we deal with issues related to healing. And uh, and I want to just kind of continue along these same lines that we've been talking about this morning. And also uh, tonight we're going to deal with the same topic. But I want to kind of tweak it a little bit, especially related to the whole idea of Of health and uh, and healing. So let's go, with that in mind, let's go uh, straight into the scripture and uh, let's go to, um, let's go ahead and go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms verse number 46. Psalm 46 verse number 10. So as we talked about this morning, we were talking about the joy of the Lord is our what? Is our strength. That's right. And if you, when you begin to look at this whole idea of the joy of the Lord, you find out that it just, it pervades everything that we that we do. It pervades our, our outreach. We talked this morning. I mentioned the verse of scripture that David said, Return to me the joy of your salvation, and I will tr- teach transgressors your way, and sinners shall be converted unto you. We saw how that it affects our strength. Uh, it affects our giving, for God loves what kind of a gear, giver? A cheerful giver. It involves our finances. Do you know that actually it's forbidden uh, to actually, you're not supposed to pray uh, with a bad attitude? That might stop some prayers happening. You're not supposed to pray with a bad attitude. As a matter of fact, within, uh, within uh, in the Jewish faith, you're not, even, you're not allowed to go before the Lord unless you go before the Lord excited and happy. Why? Because He's there. You know, that's why the Bible tells us we go before the Lord with, with thanksgiving. We go before in His courts with thanksgiving, in His courts with praise, and we begin to bless His name. So we thank Him. We, we enter into his prayer, our prayer time with great joy because not because of the problem, but because God is in the place that we're going to. And we have to understand that when, when God is in the place you're going to, especially when it relates to healing, we know that God is the source of all of our healing. Amen? I mean, you can, you can go to the doctor, and I have wonderful doctor friends of mine, and they'll tell me, they say, we, we can't really cure anything. We can kill stuff, and we can cut stuff out, but we can't actually heal. F- fully, God is the true healer of our bodies. Amen? I mean, even not whenever I take the simplest of, a, of an aspirin, I will lay hands on it and I'll pray over that aspirin because I know if this aspirin cannot do really what I'm needing done in my body, if I take an aspirin, how I many know it's not a sin to take an aspirin? Thank you for your enthusiasm there. Now, I'm not here. I'm not here teaching you know a uh, that we should be taking aspirin, but we know God is our divine healer. However, we do know that regardless of what of how God brings the healing, it's still God who brings the healing. If you have an operation, it's still God who brings the healing. Your body's got to heal after that operation, even if you took an aspirin. Your body's still got to respond in the right way. We have this friend of ours. This is a short little story. Before I get into this, we have this lady that uh, her she's attending our church. This is actually when I was not the pastor. This is many years ago now, and um, and she was uh, her husband went into the hospital and uh, he was comatose. I don't remember the, what exactly happened to him, but every day they brought in the uh, you know the IVs to hook him up to the IVs and uh, to change the bag out. And every time the nurses came in, the the lady said, let me have the uh, IV. And she would take the IV, she would lay hands upon that that bag of fluid, pray over it, then hand it back to the nurse, and then they would hang it up and and begin to uh, funnel it into him. This went on for several days. And then uh, one day, uh, she was sitting there with her husband, as usual, and instead of coming in to trade out the bag, the nurses and the doctor came running in, all in a frenzy. Everybody was all hot and bothered. They're all upset. And the reason why is because they had been giving him the wrong medication that should have actually killed him the first day he had it. Thank God she took that thing, laid her hands upon it, and prayed over that thing. Amen? So even, no matter where we're at, we need to make sure we bring God into every situation. You see, the, you know, when we talk about, the Bible says that you know, we, want, uh, we want to bring, uh, we want to live a holy life, we want to do things in a holy way. You have to understand in the mindset of the people who wrote the book, the only way anything can be holy is if God is in it. You can't do something enough to make it holy. The only way anything can be holy is if God is in the midst of it. So in our life, in our walk with God, whether we're talking about dealing with medication or dealing with having an operation, whatever it might be, however God might bring healing into our life, we need to understand this, that what God is doing, it becomes sanctified, it becomes holy, it becomes good because God himself is involved in it. Listen, we know God can, and I know you've been I've taught in, in, in healing school for years now. So I know you have heard teachings related to healing. I don't know how many years you guys have been doing this. Chip, how many has it been? Oh, long time. Oh, long time. That's how long it's been. Oh, long time. So, so if you've been, teaching, been taught this by oh, long time, you've probably heard healing taught from almost every single possible angle there could be. And but you know what? There are many ways to bring healing. Don't you know? You know, sometimes Jesus laid hands upon people. Sometimes you've heard that before. Sometimes he sent the word and he healed them. Sometimes he spat on people. Sometimes he made clay and stuck it on people. Right. Am I telling the truth? So it wasn't always the same. And sometimes we we want healing to come a certain way. And that's a part of the problem. We cannot get to where we're going to prescribe for God how he's going to bring the healing into our life if he's going to do it by spitting on us or making a ball of clay or sending the word or laying hands on us or or just touching a garment or as would happen with Paul, he sent pieces of his cloth to people. They laid it upon them and they were not only healed in their bodies, but they were also set free from demonic spirits as well. I always remember one time I was in Poland and uh, and I was, I was teaching and I, I was wearing my favorite tie and I'd already been told this one family, this one couple was not becoming to the Bible school because their child uh, from... Um, from the time he was born he had this type of cough and I'm not sure exactly what it was called but this type of cough that was actually killing him he was the little boy was six years old and they were staying home because he was now about to die he was on his last uh, last leg and he was about to to die had broken all of his ribs I mean it was just it was just destroying the little boy from the inside out and I was in the middle of teaching and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said cut off your tie and send it home to these people now you know Because I'm a natural person, my first thought was, but this is my favorite tie. (laughs) So what I did was I took my tie, and you you gentlemen will know this. When you tie your tie, the small part of the tie goes in the back. If you're doing it correctly, the small part goes in the back. The big part is in the front. All right. So I took the small part from the back, and I cut that off, and I sent that so I could still wear the tie. See, I'm smart. I do what God says, but I also get to keep my my tie. And for years, I had this little frayed end in the back of my, my tie as I would wear it sent it home to these, uh, these people after class is over with. And guess who came to uh, Bible class the next night? This family with their little boy. God had supernaturally healed him. The cough st- he'd been coughing for six years every night, all day long. It stopped that night. He was completely healed and sitting in Bible class the next night. Some, some, you don't know how God's always going to bring it, but the thing is you want to make sure that you're positioned to receive whatever God wants to bring to you. Whether it's a cloth, whether it's a ha- hand laid on it, whatever, whatever someone wants to to do whatever you need to do. Uh, sometimes you've got to move. Sometimes you remember whenever the, the scripture tells us that when uh, the apostles said they perceived that someone had faith to be healed and they told them to stretch out their hand. And sometimes there's a movement. got to do. Sometimes you have to do a movement to receive your healing. There's all kinds of ways that God might bring about healing into your life. What we don't want to do is get plugged into one way. It's got to come this way. And sometimes we look at healing in forms of inferiority. Well, if God just touches me as I'm walking out to my car, that's this level of healing. And then if someone lays hands on me, it's the second level of healing. And then if I actually have to take an aspirin, it's this level. If I have to have an operation, it's this level. And we, and we level up how the, the different levels of the quality of healing that we, that we are going to receive. We just want to be healed. I'll say that again. We just want to be healed, amen? And however God wants to do that, let Him do that. Years ago, my wife was... Um, um, uh, dealing with an issue with her, with her hip and was praying about should she or should she not actually have the operation. And the Lord spoke to her and said, did I not tell the prophet to put a poultice on Hezekiah? You guys remember Hezekiah was a king. He had a problem. He was ill. The prophet, God spoke to the prophet and said, make a poultice and go and stick the poultice on Hezekiah. Now, why did God do that? Could God not have spoken from heaven and zapped the, the, the king and he'd been healed? Sure. But he told him to make a poultice? What, what, what's a poultice? You only know about poultices from, from the Andy Griffith show. They make poultice and put it on people all the time, and Aunt B does that. But but apparently apparently they made a poultice, and I'm not sure it was in a poultice. Uh, I think there's lots of weird stuff that's in poultice. Had figs in it? Had figs in it and whatever else? Go lay it on the, pro, the, the, the king, and God was going to heal him through a poultice. It doesn't matter how God does it as long as he does it. And so I want us to get out of this idea of trying to put what we want as far as healing in a box and say it has to come this way and I only want this quality of healing and I want this level of healing. No, we back off and say, Father, if you want me to rub figs on my face, you want me to slap a poultice on my head. You want me to, you want to spit on me. You want to put, you know, a a pack of mud on my, whatever you want to do, God, I want to be in the place to receive from your healing, receive from, from you because we know healing is the children's bread. Amen. So I want to talk tonight about A position of healing, and um, you know I said we have many many manners of way ways of how healing comes. But I want to talk about kind of positioning ourselves to receive a healing from the Lord. We're going to deal with the whole aspect of joy here in a second because it plays into this. But here in Psalm forty six, you should have found this already. Psalm uh, number forty six, verse number ten. We've heard this verse before. It says this. It says, "Be still." Can everybody say, "Still"? Be still and know that I am God and I'll be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. He says, be still and know that I am God. And so what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight is learning how to be still. Cause in an American society, we don't like to be still very much. We get a day off and we typically ask our spouse, our friends, our girlfriend. So what are we going to do today? We can't be still. It's very difficult for us. Our schedules are very, very packed. But you know, and if you look back, God actually prescribed, He actually said when He was orchestrating the life of, of man, and He said, Listen, this is long before there was any, any, any Jewish people. This is the very beginning when God made the heavens and the earth. What did God do on the seventh day? He rested. I'll ask you a question Did God need to rest? Did it tire him out? Did He lack a little bit more strength for the next day? No. He, did he, need to, he needed to rest because the word tells us that he, he breathed out. That's what the word rest there. He, he breathed out. so Sorry, he breathed in, rather. So, so God, obviously he rested because there was a need to rest, but it didn't indicate that God was somehow now lacking. But if God needed a moment to rest to be still, I can guarantee you his creation needs a moment to be still as well. And sometimes in the midst of our life, we have forgotten how to be still stillness in our life is interpreted as being laziness inactivity is not seen as being a good thing now when i was a teenager i loved being still especially every morning until about three o'clock in the afternoon i loved being still don't touch scott he's being still before the lord he's just laying there for hours on end i, lo- I really enjoyed them it wasn't quite uh, applied in the right manner but this but this word still here in the Hebrew, is a very interesting word. It doesn't just mean being still for the sake of not doing anything. But look, before I get to that, just listen to the verse. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you've got to stop being you so God can be God. Sometimes you have to find a place of stopping what you're doing so you can allow God to start doing what he needs to do. Because sometimes, whether we like it or not, sometimes we just get in the way of, God, of what God is trying to, uh, to do in our life. Sometimes we we know that God wants to do something, so we get very very engaged and very very involved, and we try to get things done. Quick story: uh, Whenever I was, um, my wife and I were trying to move to Finland, and um, and I want you to know that every country I went to, I went to legally. I was always a legal resident of every place I ever went to, and and I was trying every way I could to get into Finland, and the Finns just weren't. I could not make anything happen, and so I had this thought: Why don't I just stop trying to do and just let God do something? Not a novel idea for a pastor, just to stop doing it yourself and let God do something. So I decided to stop my activity, just to be still and to pray. So in the midst of my prayer time, I was going along, going along my day, and i had been praying now for several days. And then just out of the blue, the Lord just dropped in my heart: "Right now, call this telephone number." And it was a number of the uh, the Finnish uh, uh, the Finnish uh, embassy in uh, in Sweden, actually in Stockholm. It was really in Sweden at the time. Call this number. And I've been calling this number forever and a day and can never get anything happening. And so I call this number, expecting the same lady to answer. And this time, instead of the lady answering, a male voice came on the phone. He said, "terve," That means hello in Finnish, in case you're wondering. Terve. Terve. And, interesting, and interesting, interestingly enough, Terve means health. <laughs> Just remember that right now. It means health. Just kind of fit it in with the teaching on Healing. Okay, so, uh, so, so he just, I said, oh, tu, mi I was being talked to him a little bit and, and Finnish. Well, I probably didn't know much finish then. At any rate, so I, so I, I didn't know who it was. And he answered the phone. And I said, uh, I said, oh, I said, uh, it surprised me. I said, thank you for answering the phone. I said, who am I speaking to? And he said, you're speaking to the ambassador. He said, I just happened to be walking past the desk and the phone rang and nobody was there. So I just picked it up. Guess what? He turned out to be a born again, spirit filled Christian who pushed our paperwork through and said, hey, I'm going to come visit your church whenever you get it started. And I thought, you know, if we just stop for a minute and just let God take over in stillness, we can let him be God. Be still and know that I am God in the midst of our seeking healing. what I want to encourage you about today is the skill of learning how to be still. Of resting in God. Not just resting in a, yes, resting in the natural, but resting yourself in the Lord and learning how to cast your care onto Him so that He begins to do the caring for you. Be still and know that I am God. That word still in the Hebrew is the word rafa. Can everybody say that? Rafa. And you might recognize the word because you've heard the word before. You might not have heard exactly like that, but... We all know the different names of God. Well, one of the names of God, as a God as being our healer, we typically call him, we typically use the word Jehovah. I think you guys know his name is not really Jehovah. There's no J in the Hebrew alphabet, so there's no Jehovah to even be used there. But we'll just say it because it's the one that's most commonly known. People call him, related to healing, Jehovah Rapha, right? The word here for the word still is Rapha. You want to be healed? He says there's there's healing in being still. It's the same root word, it's the same word. To be still before the Lord. And I say that because as as a pastor, I've learned this. I'm gonna tell you a quick testimony about myself. I learned this the hard way. How many of God would much rather have you learn things the easy way than the hard way? But some of us just have got a really hard forehead and feel we need to just beat it against the wall a few times before we actually learn our lesson. So this was back about a year and a half ago and my stress levels were really high. I had, I think most of you know, I had lived overseas for most of our lives and we had come back to the States and I had assumed the uh, pastorate of a church. Um, the senior pastor had been there, started the church, he'd been there for 34 years and he stepped down. I became the new pastor. Um, I, had, I had 82 staff members. Day one, and I didn't know anybody. And so I was trying to figure out who did what, who was related to who. Um, I, it, it, I can't go into all the details, but let's just say I had very high stress levels, okay? And uh, and so as I began to uh, pray about this and deal with this, I just was not letting this go. And one day I was out at our house. I was, I was a swimming pool. I was cleaning the pool out. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he said, if you do not let go of this, if you're not able to get some rest in this situation, it will begin to affect your health. And I mean, we're not meant to carry stress. Our bodies were not made to carry stress. As a matter of fact, most, most illnesses are related to stress. Your body responds to that, un- that ability to not be able to rest. Sometimes even in your dreams, you're wrestling in your dreams because the stress is so invaded even your subconscious. And so I heard what the Lord said, and you know, I, did my, at least I thought I was trying to do a good job and trying to cast it, but I knew that I wasn't. I was wrestling with this. It was, it was, I was finding, a, I was not finding a place of resting at all. And, um, and it was, it was, I knew, and the words of the Lord kept coming back into my head, kept back coming to my head. You need to learn to be still. You need to, you need to rest in me in this situation. Otherwise it will affect your health. And I'm going to say this right now. It was not the devil who was going to do this. Sometimes it's not always the devil. Sometimes you do stupid stuff, and you do dumb things, and you, oh, don't drink that turpentine. It might give you an upset stomach. You, you, do, you, you eat some wrong stuff. If you're allergic to something, you, you, you put yourself in a place. Sometimes we just do things to ourselves, and I think one of the things we do a lot to ourselves is we put ourselves in a place where we have no peace because we don't have no rest in ourselves, we have no rest in our bodies, no rest in our mind, no rest in our emotions, and we set ourselves up for a fall. And then when that does happen, then we turn and we try to blame the devil for what's happening to us. That when all along God is saying, "I have carved out something for you that you're supposed to enter into, that I can bring healing and health into your life." So, long story short, Loretta, we were, it was Sunday morning, Loretta would go to church before I do because because she uh, she was doing the worship, and so I, I went a little bit later. And. Um, and so she's already gone. I'm sitting at the house. And and uh, for a couple of days, I had some pain in the back of my head. Actually, for almost a week, I had this, this pain right at the base of my skull. And I just kept massaging it. I thought it was just a tension, headache type thing. And, um, and as I'm continuing to deal with this situation, um, I'm feeling more and more pain. She leaves. And um, and then I started having, as I'm sitting there on the bed looking over some notes, I started feeling tingling coming down into my into my uh, into my jaw, and then up into my up into my teeth. Almost like my face was going asleep. You know that feeling when your leg goes asleep, your foot. That like my face was going to sleep, and um, so I thought, oh, that's that's strange. So I pulled over the blood pressure meter, put the blood pressure meter on, I checked it, and I said, it shouldn't be two hundred over one sixty, should it? Uh, no, it shouldn't. And um, about this about this time, I started losing. Um, Function in my body. Parts of my body just started to stop. They just weren't working anymore, and um, and so I was able to call, uh, uh, phone a friend. So I uh, I phoned a friend and I, I, I said, our administrator, and I said, could you come and uh, and get me and take me to the uh, to the hospital? Now I knew exactly what I had done to myself at this point. I refused to be still. I refused to find a place of rest, and because of that, what God had told me was going to happen is actually happening to me. And um, long story short, a neurological virus had entered into my body because my stress levels had shut down my autoimmune system. A neurological virus had come in and started eating my nerves. That's what it it did—eating my nerves away. And as it would eat a nerve, it would eat a nerve, and once it broke the nerve in half, then I lost movement. Whatever whatever that nerve was, I would lose lose movement in this whole area. And uh, and they said, you know, it could—you may never recover from this. I mean, we don't receive reports like that. You may never recover from this, or you might get partial movement back. You might get uh, a little bit of movement back. You, you, your body might be stuck in certain poses. And, uh, and we obviously didn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lorette, how you doing, girl? <laughs> Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> like this. Okay. She's having her own party over there. I'm not invited, obviously. So, long story short, we didn't didn't accept the report. I knew that in order to get get back what I needed, I needed to learn to cast my care, care, find that place of rest. And as you can tell, you can look at me right now, I'm perfectly fine. fine. I've got all my movement. I don't have any issues. Uh, But you know what? The point is, when I couldn't find that place of rest, when I couldn't find that stillness in the Lord, I lost what He was trying to bring to me. In the stillness, in the rafa, in the healing, God will show himself to be God. I want to encourage you, learn to rest. This is healing counsel for you tonight. Learn to rest. Find a place of stillness. Oh, Pastor, you don't know my schedule yet. yet. Listen, that's just not an excuse. I had the same excuse. I had a lot of stuff going on. I I had a lot of people I was trying to deal with. We can all find those reasons, but if you don't find that place of stillness, you will open up yourself for your body to be shutting down. Do you know that the Have you guys found, yeah, you found Psalm 46. Okay, the the Christian denomination in America today that's the most healthiest, the the, the most healthiest group uh, in the U.S., they don't believe in healing in the same way that we believe in healing, Uh, but the healthiest people, that is is when they look at the the people who belong to different groups, whether you're non-denominational or Catholic or Baptist or what have you, the group that that has the healthiest people are the Seventh-day Adventists. And the reason for that is because they obviously take one day a week, that's the Sabbath, they take that and they, and they let their bodies rest. You know, I think God's a pretty smart God, isn't he? And he said, I just want you to take a day and shut down. You think He did? Well, why would he do that? Because you needed it. You see, if you didn't need it, then he wouldn't have... Prescribed it for you. He didn't prescribe it for you. But some people, some people see something like a like a Sabbath rest and they shall say that's just that's just that's just bondage. Are you kidding me? Let me ask you. I mean how many you ever considered you know your boss comes to you comes to you and says listen. You've been doing a great job working hard. I just want to just take tomorrow off paid. Do you did ever say. Oh, we you trying to put me in bondage or something. No, everybody's like, woohoo, day off. Yeah, it's called a vacation a week. How many, how many people get upset? Oh, man, I got to go on vacation again. I'm sure Pastor Mike did not say, it's September. We're going to we have to go on vacation. No, vacation is not bondage. Vacation is a deliverance from your servitude. So God said, I want one day a week. I'm going to deliver you from your servitude and give you a weekly vacation so that your body you get caught up with where your spirit needs to be. Because I want you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. I want you to be a healthy people. And because we have not obeyed that ideal of learning how to rest our bodies, we've actually put our bodies in a place where they're more susceptible to pain and infection and disease. I want to look at a couple verses here as, we are, as we're still talking about this. Look what the scripture says in, um, in Mark's Gospel, chapter number... 6, Mark 6, we'll start reading in verse number 31 and uh, 32. Look what Jesus says here related to, he says this to his disciples. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves or come away from, uh, to this desert place and do what? And rest a while. Another verse tells us, come away. He says, come away from the multitude and rest a while. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is the one telling the disciples they need to rest. It's deja vu. I think he's telling us the disciples the same thing today. Are you disciples of the Lord? He doesn't change. I think he's saying the same thing to you tonight that he told them back then. Come away and rest a while. And what happened? It says, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to what? Eat. Uh, I just I don't have time for lunch. Grab a quick candy bar on the way. Don't have time to, don't have any time to take break for this. Don't have time to break for that. Can't, can't stop here. Can't stop there. Why? Because I'm so important about what I'm doing, the world will fall apart if I actually sit down and have a meal and take time. They had no time to eat. And he said, you need to come away and rest a while. Why Because he's smarter than you are. He knows what he's doing. He's encouraging you to come away and to rest for a little while. When you think about health in your bodies, many times you don't think along these lines. But listen, Jesus wants us to be able to find that place of rest because your body needs rest to be able to recuperate. Look what happened in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. So that's in chapter 6. Now, Mark 7, this verse is always kind of... um, made me kind of chuckle. I'm I'm sorry, go back to verse, go to verse, did you you show verse 32? No, go to verse 32. Look what it says in verse 32, Uh, Mark six, yeah. It says, so they departed, to what kind of place? Yeah. By, in a boat, by what? By themselves. So you can read it this way. They went to a deserted or a desert. I mean, a, a deserted or a deserted place. Uh, that was a, a bad attempt to say they can have desserts. But nonetheless, they went to this place. <laughs> they went to. They, they got alone. They went away to a deserted place to be by themselves. And Jesus was leading the way to get to that place. We can have all kinds of excuses. I, I'm so busy. I can't eat. I'm so busy. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. Obviously, Jesus knew that, and that's why he said, You need to come away for a little while. And so they go on from there. And look what happens in Mark's chapter, Mark chapter 7. I said, I really, I really like this particular verse. It kind of makes me giggle a little bit. And it says, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he, this is referring to Jesus, and he entered into a house. I'm sorry, verse 24. Be led by the Holy Ghost, sister over there on the front row. Okay, Mark's gospel chapter 7 verse 24 and from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon and he entered into a house this is your Jesus he entered into the house and what happens he did not want anybody to know it in other words Jesus is hiding from people (laughs) so here he is he's goes into he goes into the village and he sees people he's like And he goes into a house and he hides there. He didn't want anyone to know it. But guess what? They found him anyway. <laughs> they were coming. They're looking for him. They're, they're after him. But he's trying to hide. Why? Because he's in a body. Jesus also needed time away. He said, well, I do. I take one vacation a year. You need a weekly rest. You need to rest weekly, but not just letting your body rest week, weekly, but every day you need to make sure that you cast your care onto the Lord. And listen, I know that what I'm saying is not easy, because we are so well equipped to handle every problem that comes along. We're so well equipped that we want to handle it all, and I get that. but you know what? you're wrong. We're not well equipped to handle this. And so we have to it's an effort to do it, but in giving him the care. That means he has the care. And if he has the care, then there's great joy in the morning because you don't have it anymore. It's like if your car is broken down, there's a problem with your vehicle, it makes no sense. You can drive your car to the mechanic, and you can get out, and you can explain to him the problem and say, now, you can fix this, right? And the mechanic says, absolutely, I can fix it. How long will it take? You know, maybe a few hours, but you can fix it. I can fix the car. Great, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then you get in the car and drive it home. No, so you have to leave your car with the mechanic and go home by yourself, right? Your car has to stay there. If your car does not stay there, how many you of know this is not going to get fixed? You got to take your, your issues, leave them with the Lord, tell them, thanks a lot. I know you can handle it, and then go home without your problem. It's the vacation from the problem, as the guy says And What About Bob. That would probably sell, probably a lot of DVDs. People will check that. Have you seen it yet? What about Bob? Have you? You know what I'm talking about? You do? Is it inspiring? It's kind of a... Right. It's a, it's a movie that everybody needs to... Just, just the point that he's trying to deal with. Taking a vacation from his problem. And, this is, and so what happens is once you leave it there, you go, Okay. It's going to be taken care of. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Exactly. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Worry translates into stress. Stress causes your, your, your blood vessels to constrict. The blood, the air cannot get through. You start causing yourself to, to feel poorly. You start getting muscle cramps. Listen, our worry needs to be cast over onto the Lord. And in that is a resting place. And when that happens, joy comes in the morning. Because you've been given joy in the midst of all of this. And that joy is meant to get you through your situation. But you're not going to have the joy you need to have or walk in the joy you need to walk in until you actually embrace what the Lord has done for you, leaving your issue with Him so that you can can have that joy in your life and move out and do the things that God wants you to do with strength. See, the Lord gave us His joy. Let's look at a couple of verses about this as as we'll be closing here in the next uh, 10 to 15, 25, 35, 45 minutes, we'll be finished out here. Okay. (laughs) So however long is it going to take me to get through this. All right, look what it says here in John chapter 15, verse number 11. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this to them in verse number 11. John 15, verse, verse number 11. I'm sorry, don't go there. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Hebrews 1, 8 through 9. The Bible tells us this, it says, But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of righteousness and the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above, can everybody say above? Above his companions. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, Jesus had more joy than anybody else ever had. Above his companions. You know, little children were attracted to Jesus. They just ran up to him because he he exuded God. Of course, he was God in the flesh, but he had been given the oil of gladness or oil of joy from his father. And he had more than all of his companions, which means Jesus was the most joyful person on the planet, which means he was the strongest person on the planet, which means what was on the inside of him showed up on the outside of him. Have you, ever seen a, have you ever seen a picture of Jesus where he just got holding his stomach and giving a good belly laugh Maybe one I can think of one or two but most of them are pictures of Jesus like he lived in in Scandinavia where there's no where the Scotland where the sun doesn't shine he's all pale and emaciated like his mama didn't feed him anything it, like he needs like he needs a haircut real bad like like he's just he's and he's, and he's, you know, he's always got, he always does, in those movies, he does the Messiah walk kind of thing. You know, he got his robe here and he kind of goes, goes up to people. He says, do you want to be healed? And they go, uh-huh. And he goes, and they all get up. They go, Oh, I'm healed. They, it's just like, what? That Jesus was, I mean, it was, if he was, if he had more joy than anybody, obviously it came out of him. It was, he was, listen, you need to understand this. Jesus did not have a bad attitude. The disciples had the bad attitude okay they were the ones you know like I want to sit on this side and I want to sit on that side and hey let's call fire down and kill everybody and, you know he, uh, gee this was this was his team all right he's got he's got we he got one part of his team wanting to kill people another this part, part of his team pride for one position another part of his team says I, I don't even know if I'm gonna know this guy after this whole thing's over with and if somebody else over here stealing out of the out of the Treasury bag I mean this this is his team you gotta be a man of joy having a team like that. I mean, can you imagine having them in a car driving them to the next meeting? Jesus, Thomas, touch me. Thomas, stop touching him. You see, James, are you almost there yet? I mean, don't don't touch me. Don't stop pushing. Jesus, he's pushing me. There's too much dust around here. Wow, that we always, a sick people, everywhere always coming up to us, people touching us. Ah. Oh, you know, They were the ones that had the issues, not Jesus. He had more joy than anybody. And he got it from his father. Huh. You see, and you and I are meant to walk in that, but you can only walk in that when you're giving him your issues, your situation, so you can rest in his presence, and you can, in, that, in that place of the Rafa, in that place of the healing. And that's what they were doing now with this Feast of, of Tabernacles where God says, seven days... Seven days you're going to rejoice in the Lord. You know, you know um, actually, it was here in California uh, that there was a university up, uh, I don't forget, it was north of LA or wherever it was at. And they actually, the doctor, his name was Stanton, he actually came up with a, a hypothesis that people could get healed while they were laughing. Yeah. Because they said that when you laugh, that endorphins are released in your body that attack sickness. And they said the only other thing they could find that equated the release of of this type of uh, uh, this type of um, uh, uh, what was it called what? endorphins was through was through the type of running you would do. Where you have to burst through that that wall and keep going. And I thought I would rather laugh than run any day. You know what I'm saying? And so and so that's what they did. They put they, it was called the, it was called the study of gelatology. And they put them in a room and they had them watch stupid movies like Abbott and Kelsey. Just dumb, dumb movies. And they found that as people begin to laugh, their bodies began to get better. Why is that? How much money, your tax money, did they spend to do that thing when they could have, could have bought a Bible for $39.95 and read it in there that a merry heart does good like a medicine? The word merry there in the Hebrew is the word semach. And it means joyful. A joyful heart does good like a medicine. So that when you get in that place of stillness, in that place where you're rejoicing before God, seven days of doing this, the joy of the Lord begins so consuming, it, then, it starts working like a medicine. And what a medicine do? A medicine's meant to actually improve you, make you feel better. And that's what it does. And modern science has even told us that. Look what it says here in John's Gospel, chapter number 15, verse 11. I mentioned this a moment ago. John 15, 11. I'm not sure what time we get out of here, so I'm going to run like a scalded dog to finish this up here. The first time I said that when I was in the UK, people looked around and they said, what did he say? Is he going to scold his dog? I don't like this judge. Okay. John chapter 15. Verse number 11. Jesus says, talking to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you, that, everybody say that next word, my, what, joy, might remain in you, and that your joy might be what, full, so Jesus is speaking to his disciples for the express purpose that his joy would remain in us, and that our joy would be full, there's two separate joys here, you have a joy, and he's given you a joy, and where did he get his joy from, from his father, and how much was that joy compared to everybody else above right so he gets he takes his joy that he got from his father which was above his companions and then he gives it to you to combine with your joy so that your joy would be full that means you've got strength to stand and joy in your heart to permeate your being to walk in health and given good cheerful hearts like a medicine hey it's a good place to be so, but, but you're going to need to carve out that time where you have that stillness before the Lord where you can just rejoice, give, just give Him all, give it to Him. Give all the stuff to Him and then take time and rejoice in His presence. You know, the Bible says that, that we're supposed to meditate on the Word of God. Meditate. And I know that sometimes we say, well, that, just, that means mutter. It means so much more than mutter. I don't think we even have an... I, I don't know if you're even close to understanding what true meditation of the Word of God is. But when you meditate, you are completely still. You know, I'm not talking about sitting around with your legs crossed going, oh, not, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. But uh, there's a meditation in God where you, you are you're completely still and you're, you are meditated with your heart and with your mind on the Word of God where you're shutting out everything else and just focusing on Him. In that stillness, you find that rafah. And when you find that rafah in that still place with cares over on the Lord, you also find that great joy. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews 12. I want you to understand that the joy in your life that Jesus gave, I'm sorry, go, uh, no, don't go there. <laughs> go to John's gospel, chapter 16. John, chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. This is, the, this is when Jesus is telling us, okay, guys, now you're going to pray, and when you pray, you're going you're to pray in my name. You know, what we know that things shifted. And I, I don't know, I know I don't need to tell this church, but when you pray, you don't pray to Jesus. Everybody understands that, right? You pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I know sometimes, you know, and i and I've, you know, sometimes, the, especially with little children, we teach little children to pray to Jesus. He said, Don't do that. You pray to the Father in my name, but you don't pray to Jesus, is what, this is what he told us. So we, he's telling us here how to pray in his name. But I want you to notice what he does here. So that was in John 15 about my joy to be in you. Your joy may be full. Then in John 16, one chapter later, this is what he tells them, verse 23 and 24. And in that day you will ask me nothing most assuredly I say unto you who whosoever of you shall ask the father in my name he will give it to you until now you've asked nothing in my name he has given us now the new way to pray and look what he says he says you've asked nothing in my name ask that you may receive what that your joy may be full. The very first thing He gives us to start praying for when He gives us the new method of praying is don't forget to pray for your joy. Don't forget to be praying for the joy that I've already told you is yours. You pray for that thing, you get that working in your life because that is going to work health and healing in your body. I tell you what, when you find the joy of the Lord, and I said this this morning, it's not your joy, it's your strength, it's His joy that is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the joy he had becomes your strength. Your joy is in you, of course, but it's his joy that becomes your strength. Lastly, let's look here at Hebrews chapter 12 as I start to close this off. Hebrews chapter 12, I want to show you how Jesus used joy as a a tool. He says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses two and three, it says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, everybody say joy, joy, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. He said, consider him who suffered so terribly, you guys remember the story i don't need to go through the whole thing with you but we're talking about the most excruciating thing that a human being could go through with the crowns of thorns were pressed through his head with thorns this large going down into his skull with his beard being pulled out of his face the bible actually says when you looked at him you couldn't even tell he was a man anymore he had been so brutally beaten the whip that they used had had bone and glass and metal in it and as they put it upon his back It dug into him, and when they ripped it off like this, they pulled and peeled the flesh back. His ribs and his spine were exposed when they finished with him. You all know what he went through, and guess what? Not one time did he cry out. How do you not cry out when you're being so brutally beaten? Joy equals strength. The Bible says here, for the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross. And guess what? So he used that joy, he used that joy as a tool to get through the worst part of his life. And that's good, and that's wonderful, but that same joy he used to get through his cross, he gave to you in John chapter 15. So if he he was able to use that joy to get through his situation, and that same joy he's given to you and me, how much more should you and I be able to get through whatever we're going through without having to cry out? Or ask it like this, what is your problem compared to a crucifixion? It's not a problem at all, is it? But see, he obviously knew how to use his joy as a tool. And that's what we're trying to do now, is to learn how to use that joy that we find in that still place when we cast our care to the Lord so that God can bring Rapha into our life. It says at the very end there, it says, consider. Notice that. It It says, consider what happened to him. The Bible's not making a suggestion here. It's telling you, I want you to think about what happened to him, about how he used his joy. At the bottom it says in, um, uh, can you show me the next verse, please? um, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. In other words, you can be encouraged in your own life by looking at how he used his joy to deal with the things that were coming against him. And then what happens is you begin to ask yourself, "What if I have this issue going on right now, it's very easy to give it over unto the Lord because I know what he went through, I know how he got through it, and because of that, I will not be discouraged or downtrodden in my own soul because I'm considering what the Lord has already done for me. That's a good place to be. We're going to close with with James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3. This verse for a long time was hard for me to understand. And I read it and read it and read it and read it, and finally I decided to read it in, uh, in, in the Greek to kind of figure out what's going on here. He says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, temptations. Next verse. Knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. So the Bible says here that I should counter all joy when I fall into to various temptations and various and various trials. Now, further on in the chapter, the same chapter, it actually says, when, when someone is given these temptations and things, they should not be say they're being tempted of the Lord, because the Lord does not tempt any person with evil. So these, the, so he says, counter all joy when you fall into these things. And I'm like, well, that if if, if, if this temptation, this trial is coming, it's coming from the enemy. Am I supposed to be excited or joyful that my enemy is attacking me? I mean, no army does that, do they? Woohoo! They're shooting at us. I mean, you know, that really doesn't work out. They're like, woohoo! Here comes the Black Hawk. You know, you don't you don't uh, you don't get excited when your enemy's coming at you. But it seemed like that was what this was saying here. But then I looked at this word count because it was an odd, an odd word. There, the word "count" in the Greek actually means this. It means to be governed by. It's the word hegiahumi in the Greek. It means to be governed by. It means to bring. It means to command. So the verse would read this way: My brethren, be governed by joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith will produce patience. My brethren, be governed by joy when you fall into t- temptations, knowing that you're, you're trying your faith will produce patience. My, my brethren, be governed by joy. Bring joy with you. You see, just like Jesus did, so you can do. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that. Aren't you just aren't glad we don't walk by what we feel? <laughs> we don't. We walk by faith, not by sight. But also, you know, um, let's ask yourself this, this question. When you got up this morning, how many of you got, how many of you got up this morning and you said, Whoa, I feel born again today? I mean, typically that doesn't happen like that. But you know you are. You may not necessarily feel a great sense of joy in your life right now. That's why Jesus said, ask, pray, seek me for this. Because I've already given it to you, stirred up on the inside of you. That's why this wonderful time of Tabernacles is a great reset for all of this. And that's why God gave it to us. So he would put us in a place where we would have to remind ourselves of everything he's already provided and everything he's already given to us. Bring joy with you so that you make it out the other side and have that peace in your life that you actually need. Can you say amen tonight? So let's let's stand together. I want to pray for you as a group tonight, that we're able to find that still place, that rafa, that place in God where we're able to cast our care and to walk free and to walk in the joy of the Lord. So just lift your hands as as a way of receiving. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray tonight. I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for those here, Father, tonight who need to walk, Father God, in the joy of the Lord, which is their strength. You you said in your word, Lord, we should ask that our joy would be full. So we pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that that which you have given us, Lord God, we begin to walk in. We determine in our heart, Father God, to set aside these next seven days, Lord God, to think the right things, to speak the right things, to rejoice for your good and your mercy endures forever, to rejoice before you, Father God, to live, Father God, in the joy that you've already given to us for truly Your joy has been delivered to us, Father. And our joy is full because of who we are in you. I pray, Father, that you would help each heart find that still place. And even if their life is so busy, they don't even have time to eat, much like your disciples, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would show them how they need to carve that time out. How that you, Lord, even omnipotent as you are, needing no rest, needing no sleep, gave us the great example of setting aside time to breathe in. You took that Sabbath, you took that rest, that time where you breathed in and set that example for each and every one of us that you would give to Adam and you would give to Eve and you would give from them all throughout human history. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that we as your disciples hear your words Come away and rest a while. Come to that deserted place and rest and spend time with me. So, Father, I thank you right now that by revelation of your spirit that you would drop into each heart ways they need to reshuffle their life. To move priorities around that it's more important to spend time with you than to cut the grass right at this moment. It's more important to spend time with you than it is to clean the garage or to do this or to do that. Father, we don't want to be Marthas. We want to be Mary, Lord, where we sit at your feet. Help us, your busy people, Father God, understand that our busyness is about you. And if we're busy about you, then we must follow you. And that means following you, Lord God, into that still place where we find rest for our souls and restoration in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Do you see that tonight? Amen. Praise God. I'm sure most of us are born again. if If there's anybody in the